very much remains Packers versus Vikings. And you take that leap forward that convinces ownership and convinces Quasi and Kevin without going down before you go right. back up. The thing we've learned about the 2022 Vikings is that they are going to back up what Mark Wilf said the day that they had the press conference announcing that they were moving on from Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman, which is they believe this can be a competitive team now. The Vikings were only getting started with free agency, and we're here to catch you up on all things Minnesota Vikings. This is MVP, stands for the Minnesota Vikings podcast. It's episode 137, free agency and owners meeting version. I'm your host, Tatum Everett. I have producer Jay Nelson in studio with me while Gabe Henderson is enjoying the beautiful weather in Florida. Every time I see one of those videos come out from his interviews, Jay, I get a little bit jealous. Yeah, it's a little ridiculous at this point. I'm I'm wholeheartedly waiting for spring to actually fully kick in. I know we got teased a couple weeks ago. Now we're back to the snowy, sleety, icy stuff and seeing the palm trees and everybody wearing shorts. Rubbing and it in shirt. our face, exactly. huh? I was like, man, that's, a, that's the place to be this week. I know. It's just in New Orleans where I'm from and I was wearing shorts and walking around in t-shirts and I was like, man. I'm going to go back and it's going to be snowing. Must be nice. I know, I know. Well, Gabe's been hard at work. It's not just all fun and games down there in West Palm Beach. He's been interviewing several of of our front office as well as catching up with a lot of media personalities from across the country. And he will have an interview later on in this podcast with NFL Network's Tom Pelissero in just a bit. But first, Jay, we've got to talk about some of the moves that Vikings GM Kwesi Adofa-Mensa has been making. You guys touched on the biggest one, really, I think, so far, which was the addition of Zadarius Smith. And then one of his friends from Green Bay was added not shortly after. Yeah, recruiting some of these different guys to come in. That's that's I think it's always that's, part of the game, right? That's the thing. I think it's been the most fascinating part of this has been seeing with the new faces, new coaches, even some of the new players now and they're pulling in some of their their uh, compatriots and friends and people that were were teammates on other on other teams. Mm-hmm. That's been the most fascinating part for me is just to see who some of these new people are that are coming in and just the rumors of who else is still out there. What could they possibly do? Um, and it always comes back to the money trying to be able to, you know, free some stuff up. But at the same point, I think fans should be fairly excited just to see the amount of changes that have happened in some of the the people that have been brought in, especially in specific position groups that people have felt were lean going into this process. It feels like they really have, you know, kind of waved the magic wand and, and pulled some rabbits out of hats here to, to fill in this roster and, and some really deep decent ways. So yeah, it's it, Zadarius Smith signing. We mm-hmm. talked about, uh, Gabe and I talked about that last week and just having him be able to anchor with Daniel Hunter on the other end. Now we turn around and he, you know, kind of talks to a friend of his and brings him in, Chandon Sullivan, uh, cornerback, which is definitely a position group that we've been talking about all off season. I think initially we started with four and now we've signed up. We're, we're up to seven on the roster officially. But um, being able to bring in a guy like Chandon Sullivan, who's definitely got some some history, uh, it, it's a nice name and a, and a good person to bring in here. I think I'm, I'm excited to see a younger, younger face here who's got some good experience coming onto this roster. Yeah, you talk about the way that things are all tied together and he has ties to Mike Pettin. He has ties to Zarius Smith. And I think the big, my biggest takeaway so far in free agency has been they, the, the front office, Quasi and Kevin and a lot of these coaches that they've brought on, they go to what they know. You know, they are getting players that they have experience with. Rarely do you see an addition where they haven't had one connection to a coach 
or a front office member. Um, the familiarity, the the acknowledgement of this person is going to fit into our system and I know them and of a man of character and this is what we're looking for. And so a guy like Chandon Sullivan or even Nate Hairston, who was added in the cornerback room as well, he played last season for Vikings defensive coordinator Ed Donatel. So you've got all these names that have a familiarity with the guys that are coaching them up. It also shows intention when it comes to the front office and those coaches that, like you said, they're bringing in people that they know that they feel are going to be a good fit with this new scheme that they're they're going to run here on this team. I think that's been the hardest thing to kind of wrap your head around a little bit is to say, well, how are we going to make this transition from 4-3 to 3-4, especially mm-hmm. de- you know defensively? What kind of players are we going to have or thin at certain spots? They've been very intentional about grabbing specific kinds of players that'll fit that scheme well. They've got history with a bunch of these coaches. Those people being able to vouch for them, being able to find ways to I guess, convince them to join this team. It has been uh, inspiring at times. It's been uh, very fun to watch these guys walk in the door and basically say, yeah, I'm here because I trust the coaching staff. I like what we see on the roster. And I know that there are opportunities here in these positions. It's been great just to see the, the level of talent of some of these guys coming in here and to feel like there's some fresh blood. It's been great. You say the word intentional, and it really is something that rings true, I think, in this. When you even look at a guy like Zadarius, who was supposed to be somewhere else and backed out, and, yeah. and the Vikings playing the waiting game and, and getting him and landing him. I mean, it's it's been very, as you said, intentional is probably the best word just to use to describe this free agency this year. Well, that was when there was such a turnover in the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. Like Zadarius was a perfect example of that for me in that when he was named as somebody who was going to be a free agent testing the waters, my first thought was, well, we've got a couple of guys that he knows. Yeah. And so when they said he was going to Baltimore and he was signing there, in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, that's kind of a missed opportunity. It just kind of felt weird. Like, you know, we didn't even get him in the door just to talk yeah. to him. It just felt kind of funky. And then, but then you find out the backstory and he had been at the Ravens and had some history there and it kind of made more sense. As soon as they announced that, yeah, he had a deal and then all of a sudden he, he had backed out of it. The first thing I thought was he's got to be making a stop here, given the history of some of those people. And as soon as he walked in the door and you saw the smile on his face and he was hanging out with people that he knew and was kind of, you know, checking out the place and he was pretty happy just to see it. Um, there was there was a lot of positivity coming out mm-hmm. of that. It felt pretty good. And and I said last week, basically, he came in for breakfast on the second day. I was like, good. He's still here in the building. <laughs> yeah. And then I saw him walk in for lunch and I saw him wearing something different and had a Norseman on. I was like, that's a very good sign. That is a good and sign. So, you know, shortly after that, it was announced that he was staying. So, again, uh, with these guys, with Shannon Sullivan, Nate Hairston and, and uh, another guy we haven't talked about yet, Jesse Davis. Those three names being signed this past week, again, they don't feel like it's just kind of fodder for the position. It feels like these are guys that are expecting to have a fair shake to try and earn a starting spot. And and they've all three of them at this point have history in this league and have starting uh, ability uh, at their position. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of what happens once camp starts and these guys really get into the mix and just to see how they shine. It will definitely be a battle in that cornerback room. Uh, the addition of some depth with uh, Ty Smith being re-signed. He's been on the practice squad. He's been in the league for a while. Someone who's a, a real utility player comes in when there are injuries and as well as a, a difference maker on special teams. However, you know, I see, you know, I, I'm on Twitter. I look at fan comments. I get it. You know, I, I've seen where it's like, okay, so 
you have all these defensive pieces. Where are the cornerback signings? And, and it was for a couple of weeks, we were kind of wondering with the question mark and some late additions there. But for me, you know, not to get too ahead of myself, but how do you not try and get a talented cornerback in the first round this year in the draft? That's going to be the question. I, one of the discussion points on all of this is to say when you were, what, two, three weeks ago, and you were looking at the situation, you're saying, man, there's some definite holes at certain positions that mm-hmm. you just felt thin. And now that you've gone through and you've addressed by at least bringing in competition, you've you know signed essentially three cornerbacks now. And so we've, we went from having four on the roster to seven. Mm-hmm. Um, even the idea of bringing in Zadarius Smith as a pass rusher. You bring in Harrison Phillips on, on defense at the tackle position. You start to look at it where the criticism was corners, pass rush, especially on defense. You've addressed and brought in at least a couple bodies to do that. Hicks too. Exactly mm-hmm. right. So you bring him in for the linebacker spot. There's still some names that are out there that are free agents that you know maybe could sign again, uh, but we don't know for sure. But what it really comes down to is it gives you flexibility when it comes draft time to say you don't necessarily have to draft for need out of necessity. You it's draft more, for the talent. You draft yeah. for the talent, mm-hmm. and that that is something that I think has been very done very very well by Quasi and the front office staff, the scouting and the coaches, just to say, here's the kind of players we're looking for. Here's what we're comfortable working with. Here's the talent that we can play with. And now that they've done this and put us in a better position over the last two weeks, mm-hmm. it's now at a point where come draft time, you can have the luxury of being able to pick top tier talent versus having to pick just for need. We've talked a lot about these defensive guys, Jay, but there was a pretty significant signing on the offensive side of the ball in offensive lineman Jesse Davis, a five-year veteran who was just with the Dolphins. Jesse Davis looks like a prototypical perfect offensive lineman, uh, 30 years old, six foot six, 318 pounds. Oh, that's it? Yeah, that's it. Uh, <laughs> the, the thing about Jesse is that's got me intrigued is the fact for the last five years being a starter down with the Miami Dolphins. It's kind of an interesting story uh, coming out of Asseton, Washington, and then went to college at Idaho. He flipped from defensive tackle to offensive line in college, which wow. you hear about certain positions like wide receiver to cornerback. Yeah, but running to, back, linebacker. Yeah, yeah, but to do the defensive tackle to offensive tackle is a completely different skill mm-hmm. set. But the, the thing that's intriguing is he's got the height, he's got the size, and he's got the pedigree in that he started for the last five seasons, essentially, for the Dolphins, um, basically getting his first shot in 2016, week eight. And he also played tackle that season. So it shows that this guy's versatile in multiple positions. He's got the height and he's predominantly been right guard. So if you're telling me like there's a chance here that we have Jesse Davis at six foot six, three eighteen, standing next to Brian O'Neill on that right side. Yeah. That is a nice tandem and pair that you could work together with. And the fact he's played 80 games in his career, 72 starts and 16 last season, mm-hmm. it just shows, especially these last five seasons have been very, very durable. So he's another great addition as somebody that I think wasn't necessarily one of the big names or, or people on tons of radars, but he's the kind of guy that would potentially fit in the system. So I just like when we had talked about a guy like Mason Cole leaving, being versatile and being a guard in the center. Now you have a guy like Jesse Davis walking in the door that can play multiple positions and and has the pedigree. And I just it, it's nice to bring in more competition at those positions that people have been kind of clamoring for some some extra help at. So yeah, it, again, this helps. Well, you think that's like probably the the. I don't want to say weakest because I don't think that that they're weak by any means, but they're probably the one, the the couple of question marks on the offensive side of the ball that the Vikings have when you consider a lock at running back, locks at receivers, lock at tight end, lock at quarterback. That's kind of where you need it's it's what 
makes the engine run, but you also need to figure out your rotation. One thing we've known on this team is when it comes to the battle of attrition and the extra 17th game and all this stuff, you need to have depth at all of these positions. So a guy like Jesse Davis, whether he comes in and, and, and earns a starting role or is somebody who can be coming off the bench to, to spell a guy if he gets injured, if he gets tired, whatever, a guy like Jesse Davis has history, knows what the league is about, knows what it means to be professional, and to have him come in and add some depth and competition at that offensive line position I think is going to be critical and crucial for everything that we want to do, especially coming up again as a potential position we need to draft uh, in the 2022 draft in Vegas. So Jesse being able to help at depth at that position helps give us more flexibility when it comes draft time. Vikings making several decisions for free agency. Took a little bit of break this week when they are at the NFL owners meeting. And the owners meeting obviously is not just about doing interviews with the Vikings Entertainment Network. It's also about talking about these rule changes. And there was a very significant one this week regarding the NFL overtime rule. There is a, a lot of uh, discussion going on, especially given the last couple of years when it comes to overtime rules and how the whole distribution of who gets the ball, coin flip. Um, I think I saw the stat saying that essentially in the regular season, when it goes to the overtime rule of who's going to win, if it's what's going to happen, it's about 50-50 on who wins. But in those scenarios in the uh, playoffs, the team that wins the coin flip is 10 and two. And that was, I think between the chiefs a couple years ago where they never got a shot against the Patriots. And then this past season where the, where the Mm -hmm. bills really, everyone was so frustrated with that game because everyone had played so well, including the bills that you just felt they kind of got shortchanged on that. And um, so this whole overtime rule proposal that came up and they had the discussion and they, they enacted this week, um, I think, honestly, in my opinion, yeah, on my side, think? I think it's fair in that. Yeah, I do too. I would, and I understand, you know, the um, the the information that's out there is the Vikings had ruled against it. the The reason why be, was be due to the time limit. They were looking at it, saying it felt kind of weird that there could be just you know a, a open ended no time, like a nine minute drive, exactly. or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and I understand that, and and you know that's that's you know, and I understand why the team voted that way. The same point on my end, I look at it as if you're telling me that you can get the best possible football game out of it and know that, you know, the... the and even playing field. Exactly. Well, the, the specific game that we were just looking at, the mm, fact that yeah. that game was probably one of the most epic playoff games, period, in NFL history. And you got to the end and you felt like we wanted to see the Bills have a chance have to a answer. Chance. That's be- all. Because mm-hmm. that game was a slugfest. Yeah. Both teams were throwing haymakers back and forth the entire game. And then to get to the end and be like, okay, this guy gets to throw a punch, but the other guy doesn't. Yeah. It just felt kind of weird. And so I understand it. And and honestly, the fact that they're only doing it for playoff games, I'm okay with that too. Yeah, that's I think fine. that's a good call. I mean, seven of those 10 victories you talked about. All were one in the opening drive. So yeah. it really is a, a distinct advantage in the postseason. And when you're talking about a team that has qualified for the postseason, who has one of the best records in the league, like you need that chance. You need that opportunity. Basically, both teams now have the possession of the ball in overtime, no matter what happens on that opening possession. It kind of falls, you know, you know that. If they score both times, then it kind of kicks off the next score wins, which I think is fair. Yeah, and 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 I've seen some criticism also saying now you're going to see teams that are going to be more hesitant instead of saying we want the ball first, they're going to say we want the ball second because then you have an idea of 
well, they kicked a field goal, so now we can either hit a field goal or a touchdown to win it. It was already like that, right? Essentially, but it was the idea of if you were the the team that wins it in overtime mm-hmm. currently, a lot of teams say, we want it first because if we score a touchdown, it's over. Right. Now they're going to say, we might want the ball second so that we know exactly yeah. when we would know what would happen with the other. It's impossible to create an, a purely level playing field anyway. Yeah, you're going to nitpick this oh, for sure. no matter and what. And it might change the next 10 years too. But in the end, I think it's fair that both teams get a shake to try and score after that, you know, uh, sudden death, all bets are off, do whatever you need to do. But for me, at least it feels fair in the playoffs sure. that both these teams, if it's a tie game going into the playoff round, both these teams have a shot to score. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I think something had to change. It was just, you just felt like so much was left on the table. And you shouldn't feel like that at the end of the game. You really shouldn't. Um. So, I, yeah, I'm with you. I think it's a great overtime rule. I can't wait to see it go into action. It's kind of funny for me because I feel like the NFL overtime rule was so reactionary. And that game was like two months ago and it's already changed. You know, like you, you think of like things changing and it takes time. But that was like such a reaction. But I think it's because there have been multiple instances sure. and the fact that there is a sample size. Like if this was the you know, they had changed the rule last year and this was the only game that that happened. I mean, the fact that that uh, the yeah, Pat- there are two the Patriots the, Chiefs yeah. game mm-hmm. was 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 felt that same way where you felt like we want to see Mahomes get a chance to get the ball and, and answer what the Patriots had done in that game. But I think the fact that you can look at it and say 10 and two is very much a tilted field. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that they did take the time and really kind of talk this through, and there were multiple teams that had thrown similar proposals out there. The fact that they they came down to this rule and, and agreed on this rule is something I felt like you know, there were there was a precedent. There is statistics to show it. And, you know, one thing the league has very much been willing to do is review year after year after year. And if for some reason something comes up and it just doesn't feel like it's not working, they're willing to make that change. A lot of discussions, changes, a lot of things going on down at the owners meeting. If you could only be a fly on the wall for those. We did have Gabe Henderson down there at West Palm Beach to catch up with several of the NFL media talent as well as our front office guys. And so right now, let's kick it out to Gabe in Florida for an interview with the NFL Network's Tom Pelissero. What is here right now is the NFL Annual League meeting. And what have you learned about just everything that has been transpiring thus far? Well, it's it's early. You know, yeah. the rules votes are always one of the last things that they do. So obviously we're going to be looking at potential changes to overtime, whether that goes to a vote, whether it actually gets 24 votes to pass. Mm-hmm. Now, there's obviously some significant uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion measures mm-hmm. that are uh, taking place here, including the formation of the Diversity Advisory Committee, which Roger Goodell had said back at the Super Bowl that he was going to do to address some of the uh, concerns regarding diversity in hiring. And beyond that, it's a lot of the team-focused stuff. You know, obviously it was a draft awarded to Detroit, hard Knox went to Detroit yep. uh, within the NFC North, but you know a lot of it is just kind of getting the updates. I feel like almost, and I don't want to undersell these meetings, Gabe, but this is huge. Uh, after three weeks of <laughs> bonkers things happening happening within the league, it almost feels like this is it. Right. Like it, even though there's certainly some big ticket items still hanging out there, mm-hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo, Baker Mayfield, among others, it kind of feels like 
we're done, and now it's the uh, the ramp up to the draft, which is kind of a little semblance of normality after a crazy couple of years. While we're here, I know you were talking about some things that's been going on in some of those meeting rooms. The overtime, like the overtime rule, what that means for the NFL, and if whether that gets passed or not, like what do you think that means for the future of the league if that is something that, that goes into action? The thing to understand with the NFL, when they change rules, they never do anything. Is he coming up behind yeah. me there? Just get out. Just get <laughs> That's a great little walkie out there. <laughs> the NFL do, never does anything, um, you know, overly quickly or rarely, I should say. Do they jump ahead and do things? They want to think things through. Mm -hmm. They want to do them incrementally. So you had a change a number of years ago uh, with overtime and needing to score a touchdown in the opening possession to prevent the other team from uh, having possession. Now mm -hmm. they're considering another potential change. They're really centers around giving the second team a possession in overtime, so you don't have Josh Allen sitting there on yeah. the sideline and, and and never touching the football. But there's all kinds of competitive considerations that go into that. There's strategy considerations that go into it as well. Ultimately, the NFL is an entertainment business. The consumers of that entertainment product would like to see Josh Allen get back yep. onto the field. And so it's a matter of how do you do it in a smart way? Do you do it for postseason only? Do you do it on a one-year experimental basis? Do you do it across the board? I don't anticipate that the... Um, the more stark proposal gets through mm -hmm. in terms of being able to score a two-point conversion on the opening possession to end the game mm -hmm. right there. Otherwise, the second team get possession. But I had a head coach tell me yesterday that he thinks even if they do the each team gets a possession rule, you may see the first team going for two yeah. on the first possession after scoring a touchdown. Because you can overtime end the game, right? Because you could end the game, and or not even to end the game. This is just saying if even if you have both teams able to have possession, mm -hmm. you could have more teams going for two because you don't want to give up your advantage as right. the first team where then, okay, you score a touchdown, kick an extra point, the other team scores a touchdown, they go for two and they, right. and they end the game. Exactly. So there's all these kinds of ins and outs to this. That's the stuff that they talk about. It doesn't sound like there was a lot of um, conversation between the head coaches and the general managers when this was presented for the first time mm -hmm. on Sunday, but it's owners who cast the vote. There's some owners who are never going to vote for anything mm -hmm. that resembles change. And there's other owners who may be listening to a Mike Tomlin who's saying, I'm a traditionalist. I think you should play defense. Well, I, f I feel like a lot of these owners here are trying to figure out, okay, how do we get a Lombardi trophy in our building? And the Vikings are right now in that same conversation with Mark Wolf and the ownership here. And they now got, got new leadership with Quesa Dofomensa, Kevin O'Connell. And I know the last time we talked, we talked about how it's too early to, to figure out what the Vikings process is going to be with this new regime. Now there's been moves made. What have you learned about Kevin and Quasey's process about how they want to attack free agency going into the year? I think in terms of process, you'll learn more about that as we get through the draft and as you see them kind of go through their full first year together. I would say the thing we've learned about the 2022 Vikings is that they are going to back up what Mark Wilf said the day that they had the press conference announcing that they were moving on from Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman, which is they believe this can be a competitive team now mm -hmm. they expect to compete now there's a lot of owners who might say that and then the moves that they make and the players they let go reflect a different reality but if you look what the vikings have done here uh, they've been aggressive they went out and added another pass rusher in zadarius smith they retained Daniel hunter uh, they retained kirk cousins uh, they obviously uh, released michael pierce mm -hmm. but they added harrison phillips another uh, defensive tackle in other words there's nothing that they did to make you go they're looking to take a step back. At minimum, the Vikings appear to be saying, okay, we want to see whether Kevin O'Connell and a new staff gets more out of the roster that we had in place. Obviously, Anthony Barr's free agent, there's other changes, but we want to see, can we win in 2022? If not, then maybe we take the step back. Mm -hmm. Or if all of a sudden you play lights out and you get into the playoffs, maybe you feel like you don't have to do the full ground up rebuild. So what's been more impressive, 
the way the the Vikings have found, I guess, cap flexibility through this process of being in the negatives, or I guess just being here in Florida in this hotel that we're staying at. I mean, Rob Brzezinski's here, so he's always finding ways to uh, to make things work. And, yeah. and there's a variety of different things. I think the Kirk Cousins contract was a good example, too, mm-hmm. of the process, which is it's almost like what you see in baseball sometimes where you buy up a free agency year at a what you consider to be a reasonable rate, even though you're investing in advance. Yep. You do that because it protects your potential options, and depending on what happens this season, maybe you can work with Kirk Cousins now as no trade clause on a trade next offseason, right. or you're not operating from a free agency perspective if you're trying to work out an extension. So all those uh, different things uh, play into all that. In terms of this uh, resort, I mean, it's basically the Sistine Chapel in the lobby. <laughs> that is true. Uh, you know, the palm trees, everything else. Rappaport's over there again. <laughs> this is unbelievable. Yeah, he, um, he doesn't stop. Yeah, this place, is, this place is great. I think the big thing, too, is we haven't had one of these since 2019, and I remember back in 2020 and COVID of course hit yep. and really affected the United States March 11th of that year. Free agency was the following week. We did free agency from home. Nobody really knew what the future was going mm-hmm. to hold. And one of the big things that was lost immediately was the NFL annual meeting mm-hmm. went away. And that was like the first major cancellation of an NFL event. Yep. And one of the only cancellations of an NFL event. We didn't have the annual meeting again last year. Mm-hmm. There were other meetings that were affected. Obviously combine was different in things, but play every single game play the Super Bowl on time both years to be able to continue to move forward and now they're in a place where from a business perspective from a competitive perspective everything things are in good enough shape yeah. that this meeting's going to end a day early which is there's crazy. not that much to vote on mm-hmm. they feel like the game is in a, a really good place and I think it's a testament to a lot of different people from um, the ownership the commissioner the NFL office to the players to the players union that worked well with the league throughout this to be able to keep this thing on track I mean it didn't happen in other sports there yeah. were missed paychecks mm-hmm. you know obviously the economics of the NFL shifted the salary cap went down but everybody got paid for every game that they played in and every game was played right um, that's pretty amazing when you think about everything that uh, the league and the country went through over the past couple of years. We were talking a little bit off camera. This is year 20 for you, just covering the NFL in its totality and just understanding that you said that this is the craziest offseason that you've been a part of. A lot of those moves have been made going to the AFC, which the Vikings only play five AFC teams this year. What do you think all those moves mean for this Vikings team that's trying to revamp its roster and, and can continue to build on what Mark Wolf said in his interview of being a competitive team in the NFC North? Well, I think it starts out in the division. As you said, the Packers, they trade away Devontae Adams. I mean, that's a significant piece lost. I would anticipate and expect that the Packers are going to be aggressive here. They're not just going to draft a couple of rookies and go, hey, figure it out, Aaron. They're going to make some moves here. They're going to add some veterans to the receiving group. They're going to find a way to put it together. And they got a pretty strong program. they got a strong running game, strong offensive line. Uh, I anticipate that they're going to be just fine. You look at the Bears, they're a little bit in the in-between. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk about the moves that signal something different than what you might be presenting. Trade away Khalil Mack. Now, it made sense. They got draft picks. They picked up cap space. Yep. He's an older player who, if he's not descending, he's certainly not an ascending player at this point but what do you really expect the Bears to be they got a young quarterback in Justin Fields you're going to have a vastly different looking uh, skill group around him Allen Robinson being gone Um, so you got some questions there and then Detroit I mean we'll get an up close look at them on hard knocks I mean I think think they're going to be fun to watch Uh, they should be better than they were a year ago they played better down the stretch with Dan Campbell calling the plays along with Ben Johnson Uh, those guys worked really well together kind of having more of a plan you know the physical running game taking on the profile of their head coach but again, I don't know that you look at the Lions 
and say they're ahead of where the Vikings are in 2022. It very much remains Packers versus Vikings uh, for the top of that division. The Packers have been the kings of the division in recent years, and we'll see whether or not, again, a new coaching staff, new schemes, a lot of the same players. Mm -hmm. Can you take that leap forward that convinces ownership and convinces Quazy and Kevin that you can continue on this path forward without going down before you go right. back up? Lastly, I, I know this is a business where we, we like to talk about the big moves, but we always ask, what's next? So what is the next priority for the Vikings? You, you, you have all these free agent signings to Darius Smith. You, you answer that. You, the cornerback, yeah, I feel like that's a big void, but what's next after that? corner is definitely okay. a spot that they're just going to have to address and there's going to be some like there always are third wave free agents who are kind of sitting out there um there could be potential trades there are possibilities i would anticipate the draft is certainly a spot to look you know they felt like you know from an offensive line perspective they felt pretty good about where they were at at the tackle positions derisaw played great when he mm -hmm. finally got on the field last season you know the interior was kind of where you wanted to upgrade so i wouldn't be surprised if there's continued upgrades there you could always use another receiver you know adam thielen at this point restructuring his contract to stick around another move that suggests we're trying to win right now right. but you're going to need another receiver at some point along the way irv smith coming off an injury could you add a tight end i certainly think that's possible especially with conklin yep. leaving uh you got strong running backs you got a quarterback and then that's going to be one of the other big questions here is at what point do you draft a quarterback yet Kellamon who was a third round pick last year out of Texas A&M we didn't see much of him yeah. it does not sound like it was inspiring in practice to the point that you wanted him to get more action on mm -hmm. the field but we'll see whether in year two he's able to make a leap or if the opportunity presents itself and the quarterback that they like is there and whether it's the first round the second round the third round yeah. wherever do you take another swing at the quarterback that as much as anything is going to tell us kind of where they stand in the big picture on Kirk Cousins at a time that they gave him that short-term extension to kind of be a bridge to a decision they'll make a year from now. Right. Well, hopefully the bridge between now and us getting back to Minnesota is more sun because this is not what no Minnesota chance, is like. Yeah. <laughs> we appreciate no. your time today, uh, Tom Pilitzer. Always a pleasure talking to you. You too, man. Gabe was able to catch up with several NFL Network and ESPN personalities down in Florida, plus Quasey, Kevin O'Connell, and Vikings owner Mark Wolf. And you can check out all of those interviews on Vikings.com, the app, YouTube, or wherever you get your latest Vikings content. Jay, free agency is slowing down a little, but preparations for the draft are kicking into high gears. We enter the month of April, a.k.a. the final countdown to Vegas. Uh, Europe, Europe was a great album back in the eighties. <laughs> yes, the final countdown. Anytime I hear that now, I think of uh, Job from Arrested Development. It's so hard to not sing it as you say it. Like the final exactly. countdown just seems so boring. Yeah, unless it's the you sing it. Final up. countdown. Exactly. No, it's it's great. Um, the fact that it's in Vegas this year, I know there is a ton of interest in that. I have uh, some some people that I know, some uh -huh. family members as well, who are going to go nice. to Vegas purely with it being in Vegas. That's fine. Um, and they just had announced uh, this week as well, Kansas City and Detroit are the next couple of years for the draft um, for locations. So being in Las Vegas, I think this is going to be a huge party. Uh, Nashville was a huge party uh, in the past. And amazing. so now a place, you know, Vegas finally getting to do it Vegas style. I think a lot of people are going to really enjoy their time there. And I'm, I'm really curious to see 
what fireworks happen during the draft because there's always something crazy that happens. Literal and figuratively. Exactly. Right? You're in Vegas. There's definitely going to be fireworks. You got to do it big. It's Vegas. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait to see the spectacle, what it looks like. It's been, a, you know, I, I do, I, I watched Cleveland. I thought it was very nice, but having been in the in Nashville for the draft is probably my best sports memory or one of the top ones because it, it was amazing to see that many people there. Uh, and the NFL their ability to just make even something like the draft look cool and make it a fan-centered event. I just feel like, you know, all of my feelings aside about working in the NFL, I've always respected the NFL for their ability to turn something like the draft into an entire fan spectacle. That's the thing. If you really <laughs> think about it, you have to try to cater to 32 different fan bases. Yes. That is a really hard thing to do. It is. I was even making the comment, I'm, I, I was thinking about with Vegas, like it's going to be hard to deal with the distraction of Vegas and that if you cannot keep their attention and have them want to be there Everything else that's going on in Vegas at this point, especially right now, it's as bonkers as it's ever been. Oh, yeah. People need wanting to go out and do things. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And with the you weather. You just got back, so you know the, the crowd's there. It, it's been crazy. And just to see kind of the vibrancy that the city has come back to after everything that's happened with the pandemic. You're in Las Vegas, so you better be able to keep their attention span. And I think the NFL does it better than any other league at this point, being able to give the fans a, a spectacle of what they want, keep them engaged, get them excited about their draft picks. And then the fact that it is in Las Vegas, they have the best entertainment yeah. people, period, in that area. And I think that the NFL itself when it comes to being able to pull locals and be able to have them help with the show, it's going to be above and beyond anything they've done in the past. Well, I haven't been to Las Vegas since I was 16. That and seems I'm headed like a to bad the draft. time to be there. Yeah, you know, I'm not, if you've made it to the end of this podcast, you'll learn a very interesting fact about myself. The only time I've been to Vegas was for a student council convention. Interesting. Total high school nerd. Yeah, that's fine. Hey, you know, it was fun. It was beautiful. So I did the whole tour of everything, mm -hmm. right? I mean, that was like... A while ago, yes. Early two thousands. Um, so it's been it's it's been a while since <laughs> uh, since I've been, but I'm excited to go see it for the draft and see how it stacks up against Nashville. Yeah, because you know I have a personal t love and uh, affinity for the way that was done. It's so going to it be, be extra. Fun. I cannot extra, wait, extra. and I hope it's yes. I hope it's extra, <laughs> which I'm also very appreciative. Well, if you want some extra Minnesota Vikings podcasts, be sure to subscribe to our channel. You'll get all the latest episodes as they're released leading up to the 2022 NFL Draft. Thanks for listening this week. For Jay and myself, we will see you guys next time.